0: This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona.
1: This is the sacrificial love of Jesus that led him to the cross. You know, he wasn't driven to the cross by God the Father. No, he pursued the cross because of his love for you and I. That blows me away because while I was yet still a sinner, Christ loved me unconditionally, self sacrificially. This idea, this whole understanding of how
0: God loves. God loves us. It may sound cliche, but it is true. He loves us so much that He made a way for us to be forgiven of our sin. He sent His only Son so that we might have an opportunity to have a relationship with Him, to be a part of His body, so that we could serve in His ministry. In His Word, He's promised many blessings to those who love Him and keep His Word. He's promised to never leave us, to provide for all of our needs, and to be our ever-present help. What a loving, merciful God we serve. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 2, for the conclusion of our message entitled, Multiplied Blessings.
1: Everybody needs peace in their lives and yet not a lot of people really truly have real and true peace. Some people think that peace can be obtained if, man if I just have peaceful Thoughts, if I can just visualize peace in my life, then I'll have it. We lived in Sedona for a while, and the whole thing there was visualize world peace. And you're just going to, well, I like the bumper sticker that I saw driving around, and I always wanted to get it and get a shirt that matched. had a picture of a food blender, and in that food blender was a can of green peas. And the statement says, visualize world peace. Okay, some of you might have got that. Maybe some of you did get it and you didn't laugh anyway. Peace doesn't come by imagining it. Peace doesn't come by visualizing it. It doesn't come automatically either when there is a removal of conflict. Just because there's no cup con- of green peas and the statement says visualize world peas. Okay, some of you might have got that. Maybe some of you did get it and you didn't laugh anyway. Peace doesn't come by imagining it. Peace doesn't come by visualizing it. It doesn't come automatically either when there is a removal of conflict. Just because there's no conflict of green peas and the statement says visualize world peas. Okay, some of you might have got that. Maybe some of you did get it and you didn't laugh anyway. Peace doesn't come by imagining it. Peace doesn't come by visualizing it. It doesn't come automatically either when there is a removal of conflict. Just because there's no conflict of green peas. And the statement says, visualize world peas. Okay, some of you might have got that. Maybe some of you did get it and you didn't laugh anyway. Peace doesn't come by imagining it. Peace doesn't come by visualizing it. It doesn't come automatically either when there is a removal of conflict. Just because there's no conflict doesn't mean that there's peace. All you have to do is think back in our country, for those of you who remember the time of the Cold War. There was no war going on, but there was no real peace going on either. We look even today at the situation in North Korea, and though there's no quote-unquote war going on, there's no peace there either. Well, in people's lives, that's the same way. You may have that relationship with Jesus Christ in our life that's an ongoing and growing relationship. Isaiah speaks that our God of peace is the one that we come to He speaks of our God in peace. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So in other words, our God of peace will bring about peace in our lives when our mind is stayed on him. Because we trust in him. One of my personal favorites are the words from Micah the prophet. He speaks about a time of peace that's going to be coming once that final reign of Christ comes about. And he speaks that at that point in time, nation shall no longer lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war any more, but everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. It's going to be a time of peace. What was the angelic message on that hillside outside of Bethlehem? Remember the angels declared to the shepherds, they said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Our God is a God of peace. He desires us to have peace in our lives. Paul makes so many references to it all throughout his writings. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. He speaks of our peace and he speaks of our God of peace. It's an important factor in our lives as believers that we be filled with that peace. Jesus even told those that would follow him, As believers, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not like the world gives that I give to you. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The peace of Christ reigning and ruling in our hearts and lives. The necessity of that. The blessing of that. Paul reminds us, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's in Philippians chapter 4. What a great understanding that is. I want to know if there's anyone in here this morning that has anything at all in your life that if you would let it, it would be something that you could worry about, something that you could be fearful about, something that you could be anxious about. Anybody at all in here have that? Okay. Some of the rest of you, how many of you are fearing that you lie too much? No. I think every one of us have that opportunity just by life. Life brings so many things into our path that you know we could be fearful of that we could be anxious over that we could be troubled over that, but the Word of God says don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving. What do you mean I'm Thanksgiving? What do you mean I'm going to thank him for this? No, what you can be doing is thanking him that he is the God of peace, who reigns and rules over all of his creation, and even the situation that you're in right now, and because he is the God of peace, he can bring that peace to you when your mind is stayed on him he is the god of peace and as i come before him that peace of god that passes all understanding we don't know how in the world it can but in the midst of all that i'm going through in the midst of all that you're going through you can still stand firmly founded Firmly standing in the peace of God and it passes all understanding. The world will look at you and I and say, man, I don't know how that lady can have the peace that she has. I don't know how that man can maintain the peace that he has with everything else that's going on in their lives. And yet there seems to be the steadfastness within their lives. Beloved, that's the peace of God that needs to reign and rule in our lives. It needs to be multiplied in my life so many times. Lord, don't just add it. I need it multiplied. I need it in abundance. And I believe that one or two of you also probably need that too. And again, we could go on and on about the peace of God. It's Old Testament, it's New Testament, it's it's promised, it's delivered, it's seen, it's hoped for in so many places within the Scriptures. But you know what? Until and unless you know the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ himself, you can try all you can. You can focus all you want to. You can visualize world peace all you want to. You're not going to have peace in your life, not true and complete peace, until you know the Prince of Peace. Let's move on. The last of Jude's blessing or greeting, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Again, this blessing of love. Love, again, is an attribute of God. And as a matter of fact, even non-believers speak about that particular attribute of God. And yet, when they use it, more often than not, they use it as a weapon against the gospel. Well, if your God is a God of love, then why does he, and then you can fill in the blank. Because you've probably heard it. Before, if you've ever tried to share Christ with someone, many times those detractors to the gospel will say, well, you say your God is a God of love, or I hear your God is a God of love, or your God is supposed to be a God of love. Then how come all of these things? How come this situation? How come that? How come that? I share with people. The truth of the proverb that says that a fool can ask more questions than a wise man can answer. So many times you just need to move on, move on, continue just speaking the truth. The problem is, is they don't know the God of love. And because they don't know the God of love, they'll never understand him. And they'll never understand that all of his attributes work together in perfect harmony. Yes, he's a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. He's a God of mercy, but he's also a holy and a righteous God. Yet all of these things, none of them trumping over any of the others, none of them outweighing any of the others, none of them having mastery over the others, all of them working in perfect harmony and in perfect union together, all of the attributes. The love that Jude writes about, and again the attribute of God that comes from the Greek word agape, agape. The unfortunate thing in our language, in the English language, we can love our hamster and we can love our wife, can't we? We can love the Diamondbacks baseball team and we can love our children. We can love a good cup of coffee in the morning and we can love our God. problem is, as many times, it's about the same. shouldn't be the same. Shouldn't be the same. Shouldn't be the same attitude. The unfortunate thing is in our English language, we don't have that many words to to describe the difference. In the Greek language, they did. They had at least four different words that they used in explaining or speaking about love in their lives. Of those four, only two of them do we really see within our Bibles. One of those Greek words that they use for love in the Greek language, not not used in the Bible, is the word eros. And we get the word uh, erotic from it, and it speaks more of a sensual, more of a, a physical attraction type of love. The other kind of love that's not mentioned in our Bibles, but again within Greek literature we find it, is storge. And storge is that familial type of love. As a physical brother or sister or parents to their children, storge is that kind of love. But the other two kinds of loves that we see throughout our Bible, one of them is phileo. And phileo is that brotherly kind of love that's not necessarily a physical brother, but as a brother or a sister in Christ. It's the kind of love that comes from a good friend, someone that you are really connected together with, not necessarily related to, but there's many things that you have in common. And we can have that kind of brotherly love, and within the Christian. Christian community, when we speak of loving each other, brotherly love, that's the kind of thought that it is. Now, beyond that comes the fourth word in the Greek language, and that's the word that probably many of you are familiar with, that's agape. And agape is that type of love that moves beyond just a a family type of love, moves beyond the love and compassion of best friends and good buddies. No, this moves to the point of self-sacrificial love. It moves to that kind of love that's that many times is an unreciprocated love. In other words, He loved us while we were still His enemies. He showed, he demonstrated his love. That's the kind of love that God shows. That's the kind of love that God demonstrates to us in so many ways. That's the kind of love that you and I, as believers in Christ, need to be showing and demonstrating in our lives to others. Not expecting to be paid back from it. Not expecting to get, uh, you know, the rewards from that. Because true agape love Is sacrificial, it's self-giving, and it's unconditional. And that's what the love of God is all about. And I believe that that is the word that Jude writes here. As Jude writes to us that love would be multiplied in you. How much we need that love of God working in our lives. This is the sacrificial love of Jesus that led him to the cross. You know, he wasn't driven to the cross by God the Father. No, he pursued the cross because of his love for you and I. And that blows me away. Because while I was yet still a sinner, Christ loved me unconditionally, self-sacrificially. This idea, this whole understanding of how God loves. Samuel T. Francis as a young man lived in the late 1800s, early 1900s in England. He grew up in a Christian home, a, a home that loved the Savior. They were regularly active within the church in their small English village. And as a matter of fact, by the time that Samuel was nine years old, he was actively involved in the church, even singing in the church choir. And one of the things that Samuel was known for, even at that age, was writing poetry or writing poems, and, and he would begin saving all of these poetry that he was writing. Well, as Samuel grew and uh, he finally reached his teen years, it came time for him to be launched out and begin his life on his own as a young man. At about 17 years of age, he left his home in the small village there in England, and moved to the busy city of London. And we're still talking the, the late 1800s, and again, uh, what a horrible place that was for a young Christian man to to move into and all that was there all that was available all the attacks of the enemy and as a matter of fact as he began working as a merchant as a older teenager 17-18 years of age the cares and the concerns the attacks and the trials and the temptations of the world that was all around him even as a young Christian man began to weigh on him so heavily that one night as he was crossing a bridge over Over the Thames River, he thought, why should I continue fighting with it? Why should I continue battling with it? And he stepped to the edge of that bridge, ready to cast himself off and commit suicide. And yet it was at that very moment that the love of God touched young Samuel Francis. Touched him and drew him back from the edge of that bridge, And God revealed himself to him in such a powerful way, much more than even before he had ever experienced. And from that moment on, young Samuel's life was changed forever. He continued to write poetry, and he even began to be a, a preacher of the gospel, still working as a merchant there in, in London, but also he would spend many times and many opportunities preaching the gospel. Some of his writings, some of his poetry actually made it into the hymn books of his day. While he was still living, they were singing some of the songs that he had written. One of those songs is possibly very familiar to many of you. It's the hymn, "Oh, the Deep deep love of Jesus. And I can just imagine the impact of these words in young Samuel's life as he stood on the edge of that bridge ready to cast himself off. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, and free. I think it's been multiplied. Rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love, our leading onward, leading homeward to thy glorious rest above. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Spread his praise from shore to shore. How he loveth, ever loveth, changeth never, nevermore. How he watches, o'er his loved ones, died to call them all his own. How for them he intercedeth, watches o'er them from the throne. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, love of every love the best. Tis an ocean vast of blessing, tis a haven sweet of rest. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, tis a heaven of heavens to me, and it lifts me up to glory, for it lifts me up to Thee. What powerful words. What a great message. Jude wrote, Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. I feel that as Jude wrote those words, he used that greeting not simply as part of the culture, but I believe that Jude understood that the Christians of the first century and Christians of every generation after that We're going to need to be the recipients of mercy. And they need to also be those that will extend mercy to others. And we need an abundance of it. I believe that as Jude wrote those words, for those then as well as us now, He understood that Christians were going to be filled with times of trials, filled with times of battles and struggles and temptations. There were going to be those who come into our fellowships that bring turmoil, as he's going to speak a little bit later in his writing, and turn whole churches inside out and upside down, causing great damage to believers everywhere. I believe Jude wanted us to understand that in the midst of all of these trials, troubles, and the world being turned upside down, that Jesus is our everlasting and our eternal peace, and our focus needs to be on Him. How desperately we need this peace flooding over our lives continually. These false teachers that he writes about, they're going to come into the church only to care for themselves, only to gain as they received by ripping off the flock of God. And even as they would come into the love feasts of the church, they would come in without any love for the body. Jude wrote to us in order that we might understand and know true sacrificial love and that that love might be multiplied to us because sometimes we're not going to see it in flesh and blood. We need to know the reality and the truth of eternal love through Christ. These attributes, these blessings, mercy, peace, and love, they need to be multiplied. I know they need to be multiplied in my life. And I believe they need to be multiplied in your lives too. They need to continually increase in our lives because the enemy seeks to steal our joy. The enemy seeks to kill our fellowship with each other. The enemy seeks to destroy The work of the kingdom of God, not only in this place, but in every place that the name of Jesus is preached. And that kind of leads us to the change of direction that Jude takes in his letter. But I want you to listen and think for a moment the depth of the situation that we see in in relationship to the words that Jude writes in verse 3. After all that he said in this greeting, listen to what verse 3 speaks. While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. In other words, he wanted to write to them just a letter. Man, how great it is to be saved, isn't it? How great it is to know Jesus. He says, I was diligent. I wanted to write to you in that direction. And he says, and yet I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you, to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. You see, Jude knew that we needed mercy, peace, and love multiplied because Jude knew the attacks that were coming on the church. And the rest of this short little letter is going to speak about those attacks. And in your life and in mine, whether the attacks come from outside the church or, yeah, believe it or not, sometimes attacks come from inside the church. In the midst of all of that. We need to know the source of that mercy. We need to know the source of that peace and the source of that love that's ours, that is poured upon us continually and completely through our Lord Jesus Christ. My hope and prayer for you this morning is not only as a believer that you would know that, that you would understand that, and you would cling to to that in the midst of these trials but perhaps if you're here today and you're not a believer and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior you will never know him, you'll never be able to understand him as the one who is the one who brings mercy and gives mercy, the one who bestows upon you and brings to you peace in the midst of every trial, the one who has demonstrated the greatness of his love toward you by going to the cross by paying for your sin in order that you might enter into eternal life through Him.
0: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word, the teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to TheOpenWord.com. Click on the podcast option on the homepage or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of this station you heard us on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.